0: You are listening to the Wesley Seminary Podcast out of Wesley Seminary at IWU. Your host today is Dr. Aaron Perry, Assistant Professor of Pastoral Care.
1: Well, grow up.
0: Maybe you haven't heard those words recently. I know I heard them a number of times from a number of adult figures. Hopefully not my parents too many times. I was kind of taking their lessons. But maybe you've got some people in your church. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a person, a a lay leader. Maybe you're somebody who's following Christ. And you you kind of look across and you see a person that you're like, man, I wish they would just grow up in their faith. Well, if you've heard those words, if you said those words, I think uh, the resource we're going to introduce today and today's guest is one that you're going to want to listen in on. We are live at the gathering, and our guest today is Pastor Kevin Myers. He is the senior pastor at Twelve Stone Church. He's the father of four, grandfather of two. And uh, a friend of the Wesleyan Church, leader in the Wesleyan Church, it's an honor to have you here, PK.
1: Thank you, Aaron. Absolute joy to be with you. Love Wesley Seminary, as you know, and a great heart for the work that Wesley Seminary does. Excited to be here. That gathering has been
0: good. It's a good. It's yeah. been It's been a good place. Oh, yeah. So you're launching this book. It's actually not out. I got an advanced copy. I you won't did. Tell you, I won't tell you how I got it and had to pull some strings. Well done. But I got one. It's called Grown Up Faith. It's published by Thomas Nelson. Let's just launch right in. Why did you write this book?
1: Yeah. Well... Aaron, many people get stuck in their faith and they don't know why. And we discussed that right off the beginning. But at the real heart underneath it is that we've lost the big picture of God's story. And we tell a lot of our little stories, but we've lost the clear understanding of God's big story. Literally, from Genesis to Revelation, what is God's big story? And if I were to ask you right now, hey, give me, give me a five-minute summary of the Bible. Tell me what on earth God is doing. That is lost in the minds of the majority mm. of people. Now, those of us who are in, you know, Wesley Seminary world, we have the curse of knowledge and we, we, we understand scripture, but America is in its most biblically ignorant season in the history of our country. And they don't have the roots I've just become convinced that we have to put that story back together. People have bits and pieces of the Bible, but they don't have the whole. They're kind of puzzle by the Bible. So this is like giving you the big picture, like looking at the puzzle box, seeing the whole story in one. So we think this is a tremendous discipleship tool to help people who are already in the faith to kind of disciple them into evangelism as well.
0: Did, did you come across some folks... In, and you see a lot of people, so this isn't signaling out 12 stone. This is just along your walk that you're like, man, they
1: just, they just need to grow up in your faith. Like, did that kind of get you in the gut a little bit? <laughs> you know, all along the way. It, in the course of life, we have a Christianity that's built on secular humanism. And if we don't assist with the foundation, people are transferring decisions from secular humanism into Christian practice. And, and they don't know what's wrong. They don't know what's broke. So we have to do a better job on the foundations. That's why in the book we give like 10 uh, core questions and answer those uh, along the line. And the Bible answers those 10 core questions in order in the Bible. God's trying to help us, and we just need to help people grow up. So you uh, tackle
0: three kind of areas. This is a book about the whole person. You're trying to tackle the heart, mind, and will. And you say that all of those are necessary to be grown up in your faith. Uh, Why is that the case? Why are all three necessary,
1: heart, mind, and will? One of the things I love about the, growing up in the Wesleyan Church, we have a tremendous handle on what it means to grow up that it involves the whole heart, the whole mind, and the whole will. And and, and, and the mind is, is, I would just call it biblical knowledge to keep it accessible. And the heart is spiritual intimacy. And 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 the will is holy obedience. And if you're doing like a, a Venn diagram where those three come together, only at that point are you really growing up that that space and sometimes people like denomination circles or individuals pick one and neglect the other mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so think about it this way Eric. if you if you pick the mind and you neglect the heart spiritual intimacy and the will holy obedience then you get caught up in you're at risk of intellectualism and we know entire denomination groups of people say that's 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 grown up but then there are others where it's all about the heart spiritual intimacy and if you neglect biblical knowledge the really foundation of the truth and holy obedience, surrendering your will, will you end up with emotionalism. And we know entire denominations and groups that lean into that, and they call that maturity in their circle. And then there are groups that end up in this kind of the will of God dominates, and and it's critical. But if you neglect biblical knowledge and and you neglect the heart, then you end up in legalism. Any one of those without the other forfeits real maturity so it takes all of them of course jesus was all 300 and we're on our way to that but that that's kind of the framework of why we call that grown-up faith and the western church has such a rich theology for all that coming together
0: So you've written this in a, in a Socratic form. There's it's, it's questions. The chapters are questions Yes. and then you engage in giving some answers. I'm going to ask a couple of questions that you address in the book. So, so maybe answer these without giving away all the, all the sauce, right? Without giving away all the secret sauce, but a couple of questions that you address in the book. Number one, and I I love this one because I think it's, it's such a desire for people to set their own life's rules right now. Uh, But you've got the question, well, why can't I make up my own rules? So why can't people make up? their own rules.
1: (laughs) People love the question (laughs) because you feel that from the time you're a child, you're grateful mom and dad are there, but you just like to take over. And that's true for all of us, even in our adult life. So many people dismiss God because they don't want a God of rules. But the truth of the matter is, as soon as you get in charge what's the next thing you do you make rules for everybody else mm. it's just our nation we're not anti-rules we just want to make the rules and you have to be god to make the rules so it's a real honest conversation that's rational but heartful and addresses the will there's a reason we can't make the rules you'd have to be god to make the rules and he has our best in mind and god's not rule driven he's relationship driven and he wants our best as any loving father would. So that's kind of where we jump in on the chapter. I love that chapter.
0: I've got a, I mean, just a couple of observations that I make with it. Like we kind of have this sense of, I think it's a reaction against legalism. And we're like, oh, you know, we're against rules. And and we, we pit rules in a relationship against one another, which I think is a mistake. And one is to grow into the other, right? Like you right. craft rules so that people can grow in well. And then I look at pop culture and I see Jordan Peterson's got a book called 12 Rules for Life. Chris Pratt had a viral video from the teen choice awards, right? goes viral, his rules. And, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I think it was the Oscars and he's got rules for a living and people love it. It's yes. like, Oh man, if I could, if I could pattern my life after these rules, I'm going to have a good life. And part of me is like, well, exactly. Like, like we want some stability and we want some structure. That was kind of one observation I made. And then I had one well some, observed. You're somebody, right. Somebody, somebody tell me along the ways, and this was really insightful for me. They said, we don't break the 12 commandments we break ourselves against them and like whenever we whenever we try to fashion our own rules we end up if if there really is a god who has got ways of living for us and we're trying to craft rules that are intention or counter to those then we're just making rules that are going to break us and we're going to break ourselves against against rules that are, are written much deeper you know if it, oh. C.S. Lewis before the before the dawn of time right rules before the the foundation of, of things and so I nice. think it's so important for us to really have a healthy conversation about okay are there rules why are they good why are they necessary how do we already see them and what's the benefit like you're getting yeah. into
1: them yeah. and, and when we address some of that Aaron, you're so right it think of it as, as as plugging in your iPhone I could tell my kid the rule is to plug in your iPhone. If you, but if he's against reason, well, I'm not going to do that. but if he doesn't do that, his iPhone dies. you realizing that I was just telling I wasn't trying to give you a rule to ruin your life. yeah yeah. I was yeah. trying to give you some guidance to better your life. Yeah. And the moment he sees that differently, so we choose to see God's rules as something to resist, but it was designed to give us life. And maybe we as a church need to get better at that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe the way we deliver them matters as well, right? Yeah. Parents deliver them in yeah, loving yeah. and kind right. and gracious ways. Their yeah. children well-loved tend to follow along yeah. because it's relationally based. Yeah. But when it's rule-led, it's undoing. But it's still in all of us to resist.
0: I, I think to, to tie it back with your desire to see for people to see the whole biblical story is that the rules aren't on the first page. No, The rules are, are part of after an amazing thing God has done for them, rescuing the people of Israel from, from Egypt and, and then giving them the rules, giving them this, this covenant. that it's, it's already grounded in a story. And whenever parents are giving children their rules in loving ways, it's grounded in a story about yes. where they've come from and where they want them to go. And sometimes, and I'll, I'll put myself on this, I've got a bunch of friends on social media, and they range from like super close friends to kind of acquaintances, and I want to talk about things that I think really matter. But some people are really rooted in the story, where these rules come from. And other people, they're not. It's right. not part of their story. Right. And for them to kind of get the rules on the first page of the story, so to speak, is a misunderstanding, and that's not a faithful way to describe what has God up to and why has He given these to us. You
1: can't yep. get through the first chapter of the Bible without seeing that a... Uh, omnipotent creator put us on the earth that he designed for us in his image in relationship if you don't start there nothing else makes sense and they put this little thing in there this little rule oh and if you love this place called paradise and you love hanging out and being in relationship and you love what I created I love you I love this hey don't eat from that tree that was it there was only one rule so in the context of a relationship, that makes sense. I do that in my marriage. Uh, I, I love my wife, but when we got married, I didn't say, now listen, here's the rule. You have to live with me. I'd like to assume when we got married, we would live together and we made a covenant with each other that we would be exclusive because the deeper love is, the more exclusive, the more committed it is to caring for investing in the other. That's at the heart of God.
0: So we're, we're live at the gathering with pastor Kevin Myers, senior pastor of 12 stone Church. We're talking about New resource about to come out called Grown-Up Faith, published by Thomas Nelson. Another chapter you've got in there is yeah. called, uh, What Does It Mean to Be Forgiven? Now, I picked this question because forgiveness is kind of one of those things that I think the church traded on for a long time. And then it kind of seemed to fall out of favor, right? Wait, like wait. we had, I just, I don't hear a whole lot about forgiveness. Whenever I preach on it, people still appreciate it. It is still meaningful to them. But, I mean, I used to hear forgiveness all the time. Like mm-hmm. that was like the heart of Christianity. And here you're tackling it again. So let me put it to you. What does it mean to be forgiven?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, forgiveness doesn't mean anything and you unless you have a reason to be forgiven. But everybody knows they have crossed the line, hurt someone, scarred a relationship, uh, forfeited a trust. And if you're not aware when you've done that to somebody else, what you're more aware of is when somebody's broken trust with you. When someone you lean in, depend on need, whether it's in business, in marriage, in family, in friendship. So forgiveness operates daily sometimes it's just in traffic, right? That person pulls in front of you. I got to let that go. That's, that's, that's on the smaller scale On larger scale. We're aware that if there is a God, we're going to need forgiveness. That conversation can't get lost. It's at the center of the heart of God. Mm. There was a relationship. There's a rift. It got broken. We're fallen. We need forgiveness. He loves us so much. He will. But if you muddy that, And you pretend that forgiveness is just casually given like we exchange. You undermine the cost that was bought to bring forgiveness. And some of the story of Christ and God and his love for us is lost in this quick tweet of forgiveness. Mm. When it really is a long story of a redemptive God who set it up to send his son to give his life without the shedding of blood. There's no forgiveness of sin. So while the church ha- needs to tell the story and people need to hear this story, we can't forfeit its substance and richness while we share it. It's why I put it in the whole of the book. I think part of what happens, Aaron, is we tell pieces, like little pieces yeah. of a puzzle yeah. and nobody gets to see the whole picture on the yeah. front and they don't understand how deep, rich and significant forgiveness is and how available it is. That is the heart of God.
0: Whenever I think about reading a book, and sometimes I teach my my students this, is that you can study a painting by going from like square inch to square inch of that of that painting, but unless you take time to step back and look at the whole thing, yes, you can't say what it looks like. Yes, you cannot say what it looks like. And it's the same with the story. And I love exegetical preaching. I love, exp- I mean, expository preaching. Another conversation, yes. but but sometimes our people just need to be reoriented to, okay, where does this part of the story fall into the big narrative? Where does this part of the painting, so to speak, how does it how does it come into the whole? And how do I understand it? And you've got to do both ends. Like you got to get into the details, but you have also got to see the big, the big picture. And grounding forgiveness in that, in that whole sweep yes. of seeing that something went wrong. And every time we forgive somebody, it's a, it's already a judgment that they did something wrong. Right. And unless we see right. that something went wrong, we can't see the full benefit of things being set right.
1: And, and one of our challenges, I'm, I'm glad you said it that way, Aaron. We have to change how we teach the Bible. I, I, because a generation ago, we'll call it 30 years ago, uh, when I jumped in, people already had a basic foundation, a basic knowledge that's been lost. So we keep teaching, mm-hmm. like you say, the little pieces of the, uh, 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 of the print mm-hmm. or, or, or of the painting. And we don't pull people back. We as a church need to change the way we teach the Bible. We need to teach the macro. We need to teach the big picture and then go into that detail. Here's the big picture. Now here's where that fits in. And we assume knowledge that people no longer have, not only in the culture, but really in the church. So I hope that this is discipleship inside the church and next generation clarifying. But this really is being discipled into evangelism because I don't think it's a quick two-minute conversation to help someone come to faith. Hmm. I think it takes an overview of the Bible, which is pretty much how I invest in the conversation to help someone discover uh, what God is offering to them in forgiveness.
0: So we are Friday at the gathering. Tonight, you're going to share with the with yeah. the gathering as a whole. We've got people who are not able to be here, and they're spiritual leaders, and they're resonating with, man, they want to grow up. like they Maybe their their head is full and their heart is full, but they just— they need to get some discipline and, and get their obedience in place. Or maybe their, their, their heart is to follow God, their will is to follow God, but they've got some hurts and hang-ups in their heart that they know are dragging them down and that and that have uh, not good stuff spew out of them whenever some challenging times come. Uh, what would you say, pastor to pastor, to the spiritual leaders listening in, pastors or not, uh, what would you say to these spiritual leaders about about a grown-up faith is kind of from your heart in this yeah. last question?
1: Right. Glad you asked. First of all, it is the heart of God to grow us up. In mm. Ephesians 4, Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he talks about this, that we might grow up in Christ so we like, wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of the you know doctrine that comes our way. But then he describes what it means to be grown up, and there's this roots-going-down experience. So stay with me. Growing up is not an end in itself. In fact, the majority of us grow up as soon as we have children. As soon as our focus moves off us, the majority of my growing up occurred when I became a dad because I had to pour into somebody else. So the purpose of this is not merely to disciple us into a deeply rooted worldview that comes from Scripture with the big picture but then that this would disciple us into evangelism and we would bring the big picture into the world around us, answer the questions they're asking and care about them. Our growing up rises. We grow up when we care about somebody else who's spiritually unresolved or who doesn't understand the faith because they start asking questions we forgot how to answer. We start caring about their issues more than ours. Pretty soon God's taking care of our issues. We're pouring into somebody else. We're being transformed. It is the nature of God that we would be about him first and serve him by serving others. I think that's inherently intentional in the book that we go live sent. So that's what I wish people would hear. I wish they'd get done. Oh, this is a good deception book for me to be about me and grow up. Yeah, sort of, but not really. I hope when you're done this, although this is awakening, God has sent me into the world and part of growing up is being sent into the world.
0: Yeah, you use the phrase live sent. If I could share a quick story. I was listening to Gary Hagen back when I was in, in a seminary, and, and he's got international justice mission and doing all this stuff. And he shared a story. He was at the gym one time, and he sees these people that are just super fit, and they're like flexing in the mirror. And he had this question that was, what's all that strength for? And if, this, mm. if people just take this book as a discipleship to encourage them in their faith and build them up and kind of cloister them aside— they've missed the point. Oh, well the said. point is to get sent out. The point of discipleship and knowledge and an obedient will and a mature heart is to be in the world that is able to be magnetic and yes. and one who is attractive and so use the phrase live cent. i always think about that question from gary hagan what's it all for i meant it is to be on mission it is to be on mission absolutely and, and that's why the story matters because we're still in the story right the story is still unfolding and we're still we're anticipating it unfolding in certain ways and that's how we can start to get an agenda for our lives like how do i line my story up with where god's story is going
1: And in the book, one of the phrases you use the word mission is on map, on mission. You don't have to go to another uh, foreign country. Wherever God has Mm. you on the map, you're on mission. Engage right there with the people around you. And while you connect in relationship, which is huge, at some point, it's got to move to conversation. And this book, Grown Up Faith, is designed to help you how to move it into a conversation. The questions that people are asking, Mm. the questions that God answered and help move people toward an understanding of God's big story. And that is a bigger life. That's why I wrote it. Joining
0: us today has been uh, Pastor Kevin Myers. PK is a senior pastor at 12 Stone Church author of Grown Up Faith from Thomas Nelson coming out really soon and I'm uh, looking forward to hearing you tonight PK at The Gathering so I hope this has been a taste for those of you who can't be here to get a sense of what The Gathering has been about and to introduce you to this new resource thanks so much for joining us
1: uh, thanks Aaron appreciate it
0: alright thanks for tuning in listeners check out some of the other episodes from Live at The Gathering and some of the other Western Seminary podcast episodes as well have a great day Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the name Wesley Seminary.